Hello, friends. If you're listening to this right now, just know we are live, which means if we mess up, it is live. If we have great content, which we might, it is live. We are more live than Monday Night Raw or SmackDown Live could ever be. That's right. It's your good friends over at Real Heel Section. It is my name being Raf Sparza, my good friend Mike Stallings, on the other line being prompted to say hello now. Mike, how are you doing, you, sir? You, hello now. <laughs> hello you, now. Good you job. Never let me, you never let me introduce myself. Well, what would you like to say it's to introduce, you know, introduce yourself, sir? No, it's because you know I'm not good at it. I mean, you're welcome to start the show. It's just, it's a little bit easier considering I have all the, like, gimmicks and the little, you know, uh, setup over here. It's The show is based off of my computer, not yours. Ew. Ew. Oh, the show has been started. Yes, the show has been started. There's been a lot of stuff since we've last chatted with you guys, so we are coming with you uh, live right now on our ends. If you guys aren't following us, do us a solid right now. At Real Heel Section on the Facebook, at Real Heel Section on the Instagram and on the Twitter. Follow us in all of those places because here's the thing. There are lots of other shows, but are really any of them that good? Mike? Um, no? Yeah, that's the right answer. What do you, well, what do you watch? Do you watch anything? Uh, no, I try to use that bullshit excuse that people who are in the industry use, which is, oh, I don't watch, I don't have the time, I'm too busy making content. This is where I drop a fighter and the kid reference just to make it mad. Fuck them. I'm so angry. <laughs> I, I can't even deal with them half the time now, dude. Uh, so, Mike, here's my question for you. Uh, your sound level is a little off. Do you have Uh-oh. any idea as to why that is? Are you in a, a blurry room? Is it getting dark where you are? What's happening to you, sir? No, baby's in the corner. The baby's in the corner? Okay, I don't know what that means. Are you dancing with me? No, oh my god, are you said. dead? <laughs> but this is a, how did it go from dirty dancing to ghost? Because baby's in a corner. So fucking, <laughs> are, I'm saying he dies. It's the natural progression. It's the Patrick Swayze fucking trilogy. It's Roadhouse first. I think, or is it Dirty Dancing, Roadhouse, then Ghost? And I really think they explain all each other if you watch them in that order. And then real life, is that is that where the bit ends at that point? Mm-hmm. Well. So let me ask you this, Mike. <coughs> There's been a lot of stuff that's been happening. Did you get the opportunity to watch the All Elite Wrestling press conference today? I did not, but I have watched... Enough wrestling in my life to be so elite that I could just envision through reading what had happened. It's and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm really honest with you. I had a moment. It's the first time I think I've almost teared up from from reading. You teared up from reading. Why is that? I don't know. I'm excited for this. This is really cool. Like I feel like they're my friends. They did it. <laughs> what did they do? They're going to change the world, Raph. They're going to change the universe as we know it, which was qu- which was quoted by the person that invented the universe, apparently. I know he invented Canada at the very least. Yeah, I do appreciate when uh, Grander and, uh, you know, all the promotional gobbledygook that we get used to people saying in major settings – gets put into the form of a really clunky press conference. So don't get me wrong. I'm all excited for this. I'm very happy. But it kind of had 
remnants for this press conference that was taking place out of Jacksonville, Florida, which good for them. And also, I guess what else did they have going on on a Monday anyway, or a Tuesday? But as it was going on, I couldn't help but think, this is weird. Just in terms of the press conference. So you didn't see it. Do you have questions for me? Because I ingested it all before we went to do this podcast right now. Yeah, the very, was it in a parking lot? It looked like it. So it looked like they recycled some of the sets from Nitro. And they made a giant chain link fence that looked... Like it was built in some sort of weird, uh, you know, kid friendly uh, park kind of jungle gym sort of setup. No, they should have had the white picket fence that they use for the defense when at football games. Well, that's what I was hoping, but I couldn't help but notice as this was going on that we were in the process of watching how the the story was unfolding. It seemed really clunky. The cues were missed everywhere. It just in terms of when you're watching a, a fantastical production. Now, that's not to say things weren't odd to begin with on the speeches, because the speeches, it seemed like a political rally where people were doing their promo work. And so when they go, hey, everybody, all I know is come May. Are we doing it May? May, I'm all in. Where? Where, where are we doing it? Where, have they, who's doing who's what? On? Who's on first? And then bring out MJF. Who? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what? I, no, but here's the thing. I think they hit all the like the emotional spots. So through reading it, I was like, they got. I mean, it was a long. It took a second to get there, but I think they got there. Maybe, but definitely their GPS malfunctions. So. Definitely their Surrey or their uh, their ways uh, took them the long route to get there. Again, I don't want to overshadow how excited I am for the company as a whole. I will say it is weird when everybody going up there wants to end their promo by saying, thank you. It's like one of the things they teach you in speech is to really avoid having to ever say at the end of your speech, and that is the conclusion of my speech. Thank you. I, I find it hard to believe there's never been a crowd to be like, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> there is a few moments, though, when you had the crowd try to start up chants that didn't quite oh, carry. No. So there was one I, moment no. where they go, who are you? And it's just like three guys yeah. who may or may not be drunk. And the same could be said as to, you know, anybody in Jacksonville. But uh, you noticed that there was some symbolicism as to why they were doing it in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Why is that? When did that? Well, that was, that was, that's like a, such a deep cut though. I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. Do you think that's the only reason the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars was like, oh my God, it's Matt and Nick Jackson. It could be Matt and Nick Jacksonville. I don't know, dude, but I'm a huge fan of, I don't know if you watch. No, I'm watching uh, a show called The Good Place. And uh, one of the characters has a love for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he'll make terrible references to them on 
so many different occasions and they go, oh, it's so terrible. And then when the Jacksonville Jaguars were actually pretty good, they actually dropped in a reference in the middle of the season. They go, which, by the way, they're not bad right now. When was this, like, 97? Mm, this was recently. When they're, 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 they're a smashy team and their uniforms. Who's their quarterback? Who's their quarterback right now? Yeah. Pretty sure the mascot's the quarterback at this point, but <laughs> at a certain point, they he were got promo, He got promo time, I guess. He definitely did. So, okay, now you told me that was part of your recollection of, of how you saw that going. I want to get to the cut of why you're excited for this company. They say they're here to change wrestling. I'll tell you a little bit more about the promo side, but I wanted to get why you're so excited. Well, you brought it up, like, kind of with not even knowing, despite said, like, they took old Nitro sets. It's, like, the first time in how long since we've been watching that there's a viable, like, alternative? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's almost like we're, we're almost like approaching XFL sphere with this. It's like we want it to be good, but... Mm. And I think a lot of the people are riding on it, like, depending on Omega, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But, like, yeah, it's fine. Like, for them to, like, be vested into it and, I know, be a mark or not be a mark, for Jericho to be aboard with it and with the things that he said at the end of it, which might be a little prefabricated through the writing, like you said, but, fuck, I mean, it's not about money. And I was actually talking to my better half, talking, like, I don't think this is really about the wrestling. I think they just know they're going to sell a shit ton of T-shirts through this. <laughs> <laughs> like it's almost like we figured out how to be like almost have like a weekly t like t-shirt service so this is how we're going to do it hence you're being already people allegedly being um turned away from smackdown tapings because they're wearing aew shirts because they're such marks that they had to already order it or i don't is smackdown in jacksonville maybe um yeah i mean maybe i i don't know but you saw this as well, which was the note that it was reported that there were people being turned away from SmackDown who were wearing all elite wrestling shirts, reportedly. Isn't that against, isn't that against the law? Mm, no. Like against the, the Constitution? There's a fucking amendment that, like, free, free use <laughs> wrestling t-shirts in public. I don't think our, <laughs> our founding fathers remember of wrestling tees no <laughs> no don't act like you don't see somebody in public when you see the undertaker like the old school undertaker shirt you're like yeah that guy did shit i mean like you almost you have to go say hi to him like hey buddy we definitely do strike up a conversation as being like yo we like things that are similar good for us well and that's the going back to your question that's a cool thing about that was a cool thing about All In. And they mentioned it in the, from what I read, there's like, they're taking progress in the game. can be like, this is for everybody, whether you're race, color, gender, you know, preference, political views. It's like, it's for everybody. And it's just grasping all that, like, when wrestling fans get together, they just all mark out and it doesn't matter but, <laughs> whether it be 900 views of belts and like three chicks because three girls get it. But it's like, it's fine. Because everybody's on the same, you know, you shake up weird friendship. That's how I met you, guy. You want to get sentimental right now? What's that? Like how we met. We're just talking about dumb That's wrestling. Fair. That's fair. You're stealing your memes 
about the if somebody has a bell. <laughs> yeah, let's address this right now. That bit of mine is well over. It might be twenty years old because one of the first times I really remember seeing it live and thinking that's weird was when WrestleMania came to Anaheim and I went to my very first access and oddly in there didn't strike me as super odd yet. I just thought it was kind of funny and you know, I roll with the punches. I I realize that wrestling fans have good imaginations and I think that's important. I think that's part of the, how we buy into it. That's how we enjoy it. That's how we ingest it. It's fun. However, there was definitely a moment where I kept seeing more and more people wearing belts. And it got to the point where when we did meet, and I was telling you that joke, I had been telling people jokes like that for years, but I made sure that I was kind of putting down, you know, little qualifiers to people that said, you know, I'm pretty sure if you look around, there's people wearing belts. And I think that we all subscribe to the benefit that if I challenge that person, they have to defend their belt. Now, next thing you know, even in the time I did that joke to you when I first met you, people were bringing not one, two belts at a time, multiple belts as they would come over to these shows. And I said, whoa, 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 you sick fucks. You can't be the intercontinental champion and the fucking world champion. You think you are the ultimate warrior? Jesus. Cut that shit out. So they they were breaking the rules. They changed, man. The rules have changed because of them. And lo and behold, now somebody made it a meme with that fucking stupid-ass Steven Crowder. And I got to tell you, this is the larger part that I have a problem with this is because this is the second time it happened. The first time it happened was when I said that Joe Rogan is essentially male Oprah. And they used that joke. And it's really weird because the people who do make those jokes, I'm not going to say that we are those people who trendset every single time, but there is some documentation on the many shows that I have been on and hosted that I've done that joke where I go, yeah, part of the reason why I can't always get into the Joe Rogan experience is, is it oscillates between, yeah, social justice warriors. Am I right? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I'm a comedian that has a limited worldview, but I ask good questions occasionally. But I'm going to go ahead and override what you're saying here because I have my own belief system that I tell you not to go ahead and subscribe to, but I'm going to do it anyway. Anyway, young Jamie, pull up some uh, confirmation bias for me right now. Thanks, man. That's all, a little all bit. Right here, all right here, dog. All right here, dog. I tell you what, Joe Rogan, you sure right. I'm going to be taking like these 50-minute animals, dog. And I'll be like, fuck you, bro. I'm smoking a joint right now. <laughs> Uncle Joey, motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, I, I love my Uncle Joey, so I'm not, you know, I personally know him. So I'm not going to go on and make fun of him except just being like, Uncle Joey's definitely known from being like, hey, you cocksuckers. And so that's fine. Here's what I'm saying. When Joe Rogan has the Jopra bit, I said, that's fine. I see that. I understand it. I might know the people who make that meme. I'm pretty sure they listen to our show. It's fine. It's okay. But when I saw my very specific joke about people who wear belts to WWE events, and I see it back to me in the second time in that stupid meme, it makes me mad. <clears throat> and here's why it truly makes me mad. The form of discourse should not ever be hey, here's my opinion, prove me wrong. No, because you're a fucking idiot. You elaborate why your point is right. I believe that fucking meme and that fucking idiot comic are part of the reasons why people get so, A, triggered, B, 
I think it's part of the idea that this guy has some sort of belief that his idea is better than yours. Implicitly, just by saying, ah, you have to prove it to me. The proof of burden is on you, my friend. And see, sentimental, because that's our song. <coughs> that's, that's our song, man. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. That last one, though, it was a kick in the dick. And then the, the thing that make it even worse is that they actually took it into the realm of the UFC, where somebody said, if you're wearing a belt at a UFC event, and I go, that doesn't happen. No, like never, right? It very rarely happens. Over at UFC events, gonna, it's there. How are you going to double fist your beer in your co- in your koozies while you're trying to hold your belt? So, like, standing up? No, it's not. First of all, dog, it's never too much to just bleed. Because you tell people, let me bang, bro. I just want to bang, bro. Let me bang, bro. So there are instances where people do want to fight. And this is the weird part is, I'm around enough goons on a daily basis who regularly size up other people and friends and say, yeah, I think I could take that guy. So I'm around it. I get it. I understand. But it doesn't work in the UFC, not in the same degree, especially when you go to now wrestling events. I would say one out of every people, five people you're sitting around has a belt next to you. Look around at your next show, especially if you go to the WWE. I think my statistics are right on. No, there's a good percentage with two belts and guaranteed there'll be you'll see two people with a fucking divas belt <laughs> which is I, I that's something i would do if i ever came to that like conclusion that this is my life now i'm a <laughs> no because the next year so i you did that at wrestlemania 26 i went to wrestlemania 27 in atlanta and some dude was passing out his twitter handle like a flyer yeah and it was hashtag it was hashtag grown men with belts and i was like yeah of course <laughs> Like, oh, you get it. Yeah, I mean, it's just you, it's you just, watch Joe Rogan in the future. It's just funny when I sit there though, and I go, "That's my fucking joke." Fuck you. Um, but anyway, you guys, not a problem for you. I want to say what's up to Chance Masterson. What is up to you, my friend? We are talking all the latest in pro wrestling right now. I'm very excited that you were able to join us. Now, I want to go ahead and bring up a couple things. Number one. Very excited. Number two, the only person with a little bit of charisma who made their way out to there tonight that I really thought held court was one, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho knows how to captivate a crowd. He knows how to say the right combination of words. And I felt like his presence was very well represented there. He invented it. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah, and he's a lead singer of Fozzie. Are you not on that Judas tip? <laughs> to be very, very blunt, I actually, they played, I think that was part of the condition that they had for him to come on out, was that they had to play a Fozzie song for him to make the appearance. He's like, hey, could you um, could you possibly play uh, yeah. one of my, my Fozzie records? That's the only way I would, I would go about uh, coming on out tonight. That is the only live moving clip that I did watch, and I noticed that he did come out to his own shit, and he has (laughs) – he's definitely gained that freshman 15. I'll tell you that much right now, going into AEW like a rookie. What? Is he fat? Okay, guys. Let's let's break this down for you. I had a few people who were saying a few words about – we're going to transition into Wrestle Kingdom in a second, but I guess this is a good – as any way to he wasn't he wasn't that fat at Wrestle Kingdom. He was wearing the clockwork orange thing to a T. Uh, let me 
Let me change the fucking scenery on the... Okay, Wrestle Kingdom. There you go, kids. <coughs> For those of you watching on the live telecast version of this, uh, I just changed the scene to a Wrestle Kingdom like, like 13. They, in the industry, they call that a fade. Yep. Okay. At Wrestle Kingdom, he was a little bit what the kids might call extra in the way... and. Here's my problem, and I don't know that people understand this. When you get older, the weight is harder to keep off. So when Jericho was wearing a shirt with the sleeves cut off, I said, you know what? That's good. I get it, dude. Wrestle Cruise was an amazing amount of time. You ate everything. You enjoyed yourself. You have dad bod status now. You only wrestle every once in a while. No need, dude. Do you? And then when the shirt tore off, and I was like, ah, we don't really have to do this. Eh, that's all right. No, that's okay. He did it, and I said, good for you. And I got notes from a couple of my friends later who were still up at all hours of the night watching this like I was. And they said, wow, Jericho's fat. And I go, I'm not going to call him fat. Because I think we all could stand to lose some weight. I just feel that with Jericho, you know, why not? You don't have to do it. You could have kept the shirt on. You, you're okay, buddy. Okay, two things. First of all, I highly believe they should have a class in the UFC like called extra weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a there's a poor female by the name of Mackenzie Dern who I know in the world of jiu-jitsu, and she is a very attractive, very nice, uh, questionable accent person. Uh, she was raised in America, but she has <laughs> she has traces in Brazil. Yes. Um, but she's, you know, mostly raised in America and like Arizona. And for some reason, she has an accent in the same way that Madonna developed an accent weirdly in the later part of her career where you're like, Madonna's not British, but why does she think she is? Well, Mackenzie Dern has been accused of playing right. the British card or I'm sorry, the Brazilian card and uh, now speaks with a more thicker accent to the point where even though she speaks English, they always send a translator out for her, and it's very confusing. And, so and number two, and that she would be the first, the inaugural in the extra weight. Well, the sad part about it is she has been known to miss some weight here and there, and then she said she was going to go down a weight class, and people said, are you sure? And she goes, yeah, if I'm coming to the UFC, why not, you guys? Am I right? And I go, why is that accent still there? But anyway, she See, I think, did I think miss we the different. scale. And when she missed the scale weight, we called it, and I hate to use this, but she is fighting at McKenzie weight, which I think is a nice way of saying. I'm trying to cut you off because I think we have two different um, definitions of the term extra. I meant like extra, like completely like extra. <laughs> no, I understand. It works. Just, uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> this is the part that the I thought children... we were shaming at this point. Well, we kind of are, but I think the okay. children have to understand that sometimes the dictionary has multiple definitions for words and contexts. So in this case, yes, Jericho is deaf extra because he wears a scarf occasionally and his jacket that had thorns on it was uh, a thing. He definitely looked like a member of the Cure who's not getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, you know, good for him, man. It's that Judas, I'm telling you, the crown yeah. of thorns. And number two, I feel like he should have completely done the Joey Ryan spot where he pulls the 
lollipop out of his trunks, but it's just he just eats a shrimp cocktail. Like it's a piece of shrimp, and he has the That's what is it? That's not the sauce. <laughs> oh, cocktail sauce. Yeah. <laughs> we should lose out on that riff. Anyway, so Jericho comes out and says a lot of poignant things. I didn't hear the speech. Okay. Can you can you tell me about it? No, I mean he he did it. Okay, here's the thing. He did a speech. It was very short, but it was right on and it essentially had the are you guys surprised to see me yeah baby hi i'm jericho and he did a thing and you know that was i mean that's really it that was really what he did is that because he's been in the wwe is he's still getting the that that pop or is it because he's jericho it's because he's jericho and i think he's somebody that has kept the respect of the internet wrestling community because it's hard to pin him down as to where he belongs. We're now at a place where it's natural for him to be at Wrestle Kingdom. It's natural for him to be on the 25th anniversary of Raw. It's natural for him to be at all elite wrestling. I mean, for all of these reasons and more, uh, Jericho has kept us guessing and seems to be for lack of a better term, at his age, it's kind of unprecedented to see somebody yeah. as over as him. So 100%. I feel like every moment we get with him, I'm just excited and I'm happy. And I'll tell you this much. So since we've transitioned to Wrestle Kingdom, this is what I thought of his match. His match at Wrestle Kingdom. Every false finish in that match was earned. Yeah, because that's what he was supposed to do. You know, I, he was. There was. I read a lot of it. They're saying that he was kind of just going through the motions, but it looked like he was having fun. And when he's having fun, it's the execution. It's just that's why it's one of the greatest ever. I'm wondering if Flair was able to do this when he was in his prime and why he captivated so many people. Because I feel Jericho does those little things so good, but he puts a different spin on it every time, whether it be the outfit or, like, it's how he actually wrestles. I think the weird part with Flair is Flair had a certain ability to rely on the promotional aspect. So whenever he would cut the promos, he was in it, and you always had fun. The matches themselves were kind of a bingo checklist where you go up right. bingo uh fall on his face run the turnbuckles yeah 100 yeah do the whole comeback because he was only he was always a comeback baby face yeah and on the other side though like jericho taking a pile driver and uh seeming to have a little bit of a split in his hair is one of those moves where you go oh, i didn't expect that well, he has, but he's, you also understand when he takes that, he's got, there's like, we have to do this be, so it looks like this, so it can come off, fuck it, whether I get a, I have to get stitches or what, that's, it's going to be good for the game. And he, he does it better than anybody else consistently. And like you said, at his fucking age, I mean, cause there was a lot of good matches. Yeah. What was your favorite match on the card? Was it that one? Um, I mean, I like the Osprey match. Yeah, that was by far my favorite match. And to have it be the opener, yeah, forget about it. 
let's talk a little bit about that because why did you like like that match so much? Because just that it was it was a classic showcase of what both of them were supposed to do, but it wasn't fifty fifty booking so much as you would probably like think in an opening match. I mean, I've never seen Offspray dominate a match ever, and it kind of feels like that's how it was, especially with the end. I don't know if they agreed to do a work that he was going to be hurt like that, but it was pretty stiff the way he, I think it was what, like a roaring elbow just straight to the temple. And then he got his flipping McGillicuddy off and then that was it. Everybody thought Ibushi was going to win. And then we're stretching somebody out on the first fucking match. Like that's going to be super hard to follow, but it was still so intense. It was like, that was fucking amazing. That's new Japan it. Yeah, I mean, I was a fan all around. I just, as I was watching, I couldn't help but think, yeah, you know, to have a stretcher happen so quickly, I just thought, man, two things. One, when I do the next set of WWE BJJ uh, videos, after the match, I'm going to 100% have somebody ice my neck. (laughs) And the thing is, I'm going to have to somebody sell a leg injury, but they're going to rush over and put the ice pack directly on my neck still. Just no, they should. You should have a leg injury and then just just put your leg on the stretcher and that's and that's it and try to, and try to drag you off. Nothing else is hurt at that point. Uh, I don't know, man. I just there's something about his style that always draws me in, even if the match is so so, or maybe it just doesn't hit. But there's a consistent ratio of yeah, I want to see that. Oh yeah, that's pretty dope. And. It's just fun, dude. Is is he the best wrestler that the WWE doesn't have? Will Ospreay? Maybe. Considering breaking news, you heard it here first. Kenny Omega is going to the WWE. I don't care what any of the dirt sheets say. He's going to the dubs. Was there any Omega at the press conference today? No. No. The three best wrestlers that the dubs don't have right now are... Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega, and Zack Sabre Jr. in my book. Yeah, but Zack did do the qualifiers for the tournament. So did Kota Ibushi. Well, okay. So that has – well, Kenny Omega had that bullshit 2004, like, OVW video surface. Oh, he was in the dubs. Like how AJ Styles did a heat match or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way (laughs) – is always the thing I want to be reminded of. Because what? Can, can Omega doing OVW or what? No, I do, I just always enjoy the fact when we can revisit those matches that the WWE is always like, that never happened. What are you talking about? I don't like I don't like them. They scare me. <laughs> so there's that side. Um what other things are there to talk Los. about? Los Los Incunables de Japón, the first time I've ever said it right. That was pretty good. Yeah. I, there, so I guess I understand that the Bullet Club is not a thing anymore. Like, Well, not the hottest thing, at least, because they're doing that whole Jay White. Which, by the way, my character in Red Dead Redemption looks like exactly. <laughs> I was playing Red Dead Redemption while I was watching New Japan. I have to fucking put this on my on the on the board but mm. yeah they, they look exactly the same and michael peters is possibly called the bullet club and it's just so fit just fate happens anyway 
Back to, yeah, I think they don't. Bowl Club's kind of like, it's turning into all elite, so they have to go with their hot faction, which I feel yeah. the WWE doesn't have anymore, which is kind of smart. But I think Los, they're they're going all in. Sorry about the pun or whatever, but sure, on Los, which I'm fine with completely. But to have all the titles change like that, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, that was interesting to see. If you look at just the Wikipedia page, just looking at the second positioning of all C's, aka the championships changing on the defeated side. <laughs> Is uh, it's an interesting choice, but it didn't make it any less enjoyable. I'll tell you one thing that I was really happy about with this event on a whole: the pacing. I like the fact right, yep. that between matches two through seven, we had nothing over really, like nothing over twenty minutes to begin with. But if you go from three to nine, which means you're essentially your co-main event, we were below about a fifteen-minute mark. And when you look at the tag team match, seven minutes. When you look at Juice Robinson defeating Cody, which is still storytelling, that was a nine-minute match. Well, I think the underlying thing was that they weren't going to give the Elite any kind of shine time. Yeah. But also, sprinkle on that, they were so adamant about Tanahashi, um, the record time of the main event. Yeah, so I think that's always a great thing to be reminded of. Could they beat this record? I would just assume that Okada and um, Omega wrestled forever. Last, last time. <laughs> nope, so I'm sorry, it's still going on. I'm so sorry. I'm breaking news. Jesus. That match is that still was... not pronounced a winner yet. Isn't that what everybody wants? So that's what. Yeah, that's the kind of takeaway. That's what I took away from it, is that. All the belts changed, but we were fine with it. Like, it was still great storytelling. It was good wrestling. They have a bunch of stars that you're going to want to see, but you also know it's just a weird time right now, dude. I'm telling you, this weird transition. I mean, considering – go ahead. Yeah, I mean, let's not overlook everything here because uh, the Zack Sabre match was also fun. I mean, he carrying a, a bulk, I like is Zach with Takamichi Ganochu. And then, uh, again, how much does fucking Japan love Juice Robinson? Well, because he's all tripped out like that. It's like when the Beatles went to India kind of thing. You know what I mean? He's got that total – he's got such a Japan vibe, but he's such a – he's a – and he's not white too. So it's just like he's a foreigner. I mean, he's from the mainland. But he's not. And by the way, back to Zack Sabre Jr., is that the Japan version of Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman? I guess, yeah. Right, because he just does, he just stands there and Takamichi Shinuka does a whole promo and says how he's like the fucking best submission wrestler, like the beast and all that. I mean, <laughs> such a Maybe But talking <laughs> like weirdly, he fits the bill. Like, I see that in Japanese. Paul Maybe Heyman. I just need to get my version of uh, speaking just enough Spanish to be the Mexican Paul Heyman. It's my favorite thing ever now. Señoras y señoritas, mi gente. And then I'd have to pick who my wrestler No, me llamo es. Oh, right. Well, it's backwards, so I was doing it a different way. 
Do I use so, the formal uh, usted though? Nosotros always <laughs> the, the universe, they say. Nosotros, 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 nosotros. One of my buddies back in high school wanted to create uh like a a hair metal hardcore band called Vasotros. And I was really into it. I was like, yeah, you should totally do that, but you should conjugate your fucking lyrics. And they were like, yo, that's great. But it's also too hard, so no. Yeah, that's where I that's where I tap out. <clears throat> Matrices and math and conjugation and espanol. Fair enough. Which okay, so I will the only thing that was missing from the New Japan was the New Japan Rumble. Yes, that was a little disappointing. No Billy Gunn. No <laughs> Jush and Thunder. Uh, well, oh. there's that. Did, but as a whole, though, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was awesome. Okay. Was, like I said, even though all the belts changed, like it was still, yeah. Who gets up? Who's getting up at three in the morning or midnight? Oh, so out here in Vegas, there's a place called the Nerd. It's like a gaming bar. And they had I know a, where that is. They had a viewing party for it from 12 to 3. I'm like, that is my kind of fucking place right there. You know, it's funny. That's where the other 10th planet is out there. Inside the nerd? It's right next to the nerd. It's in that, like, same uh, complex. I think it. I think the nerd is – is it upstairs? And I, I don't know. But it's so fitting for you to be like, oh, I'm a nerd and I train next door too, bro. <laughs> well, I mean – You ever heard of bro, a Jopra? Jopra. I, I wrote that joke, you motherfucker. <laughs> you know, it was weird. I uh, This is on a small level, Mike, but I'll level with you. There is a major jujitsu player who actually sent me a text and apologized for stealing one of my memes. And he was like, dude, I didn't know. And I said, it's all right. I was like, you're not the first nor the last person. You don't need to tell me that I was at PWG with you and you were in your stupid internet famous hat and some guy recognized you from the internet. You know what that did to me? What'd it do? <laughs> I don't know. It made me feel all kinds of certain ways. We are like George Michael, George Michael Bluth walking home with his head down with that music and everything. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, it's not one thing to just be internet famous. You have to keep it up. I actually, I was at a place this week. I'll be very, very honest with you. I was at a place this week with one of my buddies who trains and people recognized him from his podcast and no one recognized oh. me. And you know oh. what? I was just okay with that because <laughs> just okay. I was, I was just fine with it because you know what happens when you have too many people who are too famous, it gets very confusing for the general audience. It's like when you see your favorite sitcom characters going out and going wait is that somebody from the cast of how i met your mother hanging out with the cast of friends my brain's melting like it just doesn't work you know sensory overload so for so, me monday night raw has been interesting <clears throat> we'll transition there you let me tell this story god damn it you can't call me like insta famous and then not have me have the story to tell how many followers do you have right now i mean hold on Somewhere in the 20K. Are you being serious? Yeah, somewhere in there. I for some and then why am I like amazed and like put in my place at the same time? What emotion did I just go through with <laughs> I don't I mean right listen, now? dog, I'm just trying to give you a soft estimate. I mean, oh yeah, no, that's about right. Okay. <gasps> Good on me. 
I even felt you feel that. You're like, oh, oh, really? Okay. Well, okay. Uh, Douglas James, uh, he asked me to look at something, and it's kind of like a, a, a magazine cover kind of a thing. I have and, a bone to pick with Douglas James. Well, well, I mean, he has a bone to pick as well with himself. Wow. Hip phone connects to the no talent bone. Anyway, that's not fair. But it's also very funny. So he sends me these things, and I made a joke about how uh, good I am at uh, layout for design, that sort of stuff. And I was like, he goes, yeah, you're pretty good. And I go, well, I'm really good. Because I was making headlines on layouts like this when you were in your diapers. And he laughs, and I go, no, but seriously, I had to actually check the math on that joke before I sent it. And it checks out. And he's, he's like, damn, dude. So there's that. What is your bone to pick with Douglas James? His abdomen region. Okay, why? Fuck is this guy doing like sit-ups every day? I don't I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like didn't this dude just get hurt? Yes. The fuck? Yeah, that does seem generally unfair. Yeah. I'm not not too thrilled about my ego not liking that at all. It's like uncontrollable. He understands this, right? Yeah, I mean the thing that I've told him is it's pretty unfair that he took a unfortunate spill uh, a couple months ago. He got an injury. Uh, his hip was not well. And uh, they said that he might not wrestle again. And when somebody says that, you know, it seems like he's going to be on the shelf for a while. You figure they're going to do that wrestling montage of Seth Rollins. And you can see those Triple H quads coming back kind of montages being put together. The leg press, yeah, for sure. But you know that takes months and years and all that sort of a thing and you think in that time that they're off that maybe they get a little bit fat because they're not able to do all the athletic output that they're doing nope nope douglas james still has a six-pack it's not fair yeah man yeah yeah fuck you doug i mean i don't i mean i don't mean that but i <sighs> but i mean go yeah, fuck yeah. yourself doug is usually what you should say yeah you know what you know i really Fucking eat a dick, Doug. I don't, you know what I mean? But I mean that in the. No, I don't mean. He understands. He gets it. So, So, anyway, we wish him the best, Doug. uh, You know, come back stronger. We look forward to seeing whenever you get back. So, whatever it is you do. I mean, I don't know what you do. You do something, right? (laughs) With your bongo gimmick. (laughs) Let's let's transition to this because New Year, New Me. And uh, let's go. Let's get rid of Wrestle Kingdom. Oh, look, it's the Midman family. Mm. Where do we begin? Because it's been a while. Uh, Michael Peter says, I'm ready for Vegas! Exclamation marks. God, yeah, let's do this. That's the phrase. This is big boy. He's going to graduate to his first plane flight. I'm kind Ooh. of interested to how much Xanax this motherfucker is going to take for real, though. That's the only thing you can do at that point, right? For an adult and going on your first plane flight? Uh, probably. I mean, I I don't know. I love how you act like you don't know what Xanax is. I do know what Xanax is, you dork, but I haven't taken it. So I can't give you that nine out of ten doctors recommend it because I'm the one doctor who said, you know, I'm not really familiar with it. Uh, I know of it. I've just never taken it. Well, you've never worked in a Vegas restaurant then had some waiter named Javier come over and say, hey, take this and chase it with a Red Bull at your beginning of your shift. So maybe I'm jaded. Well, fine. I mean, tell Javier that I appreciate the offer. I don't want it to be rude. 
<laughs> no, so yeah, Vegas, let's do this. Uh, I met Michael Peters at WrestleMania 28, unofficially. So okay. what are we on, 35? So that's fun. Heel section, shout out, WrestleManiacs. But uh, let's talk about these McMahons. How do, okay. you, how do you feel about this, them lying to you? I'll tell you my favorite part of them showing back up. Uh, aside from Vince McMahon as Santa Claus, which, by the way, should be a yearly tradition at this point. 100%. Because when he got out there, I said, this fits his obnoxious old manness with his, is this what the kids want? Me? That's goddamn Santa. Then let's goddamn do it. So I thought about that. But the second thing that makes me excited about this was they said the, there was going to be a major shakeup. And of course, whenever Raw goes against football, there's always a slide in the ratings. And people are very concerned who have no idea about ratings that the WWE's slide is any worse than anything on TV right now. TV as a whole is in a slump in terms of ratings. What we now see as hit television would have been canceled five years ago. But it's unusual for a stalwart like professional wrestling to go through enough where we say, oh shit, is that the lowest Raw rating ever? Is that the lowest amount of people who've ever watched Raw at one point on a Monday night? And yeah, it is a little weird. So they decide to bring out all of the McMahons, because why the fuck not? And they say, and this is my favorite part, Mike, you guys, a.k.a. the audience, is now the authority. Do you know the subtlest aspect of them saying you guys are the authority is the fact that now if the product sucks... They're going to blame the audience. And that, my friends, might have been the best heel turn of goddamn 2018. Yeah, but nobody's looking at it as like a heel turn. Everybody was, everybody's into their faces. Listen. I, no chance. That's <laughs> what you got. But the thing of them positioning themselves as like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, you guys couldn't be us. We're like, look, we're the good guys now. And you go, yeah, I'm not buying this. And they go, yeah, we get Baron Corbin out here, audience. Boo. And you go, wait, why are we booing him? I mean, it's not great, but is he's not the actual guy making these things happen. What the fuck? Well, they're booing him. Well, no, they're booing him because they actually don't want to see this fucking guy in their in their, their eyeballs anymore. Right. They're, that's it's like displacement actual... theory. It's literally saying... Don't blame us. It's you. You're the authority. You boo him. He's out of here. Get him out, well, guys. Then it should be one long. What was that stupid pay-per-view they had where everybody thought they were voting? Oh, uh, what is it? New Year's. Cyber. Cyber. Oh, God. <sighs> Cyberware. Cyberware 2.0. Who the fuck 99? told them? Was it Cyber Tuesday or something? <laughs> yeah. And it always sounded like the porno that you always passed at the video store and you go cyber tuesday nah i'm good thanks though this sexy robot has had enough <laughs> <laughs> wait a second hold on tell me more 
It's like a girl in a, a halter top with just like metal, like one of those Bluetooth fucking earpieces. In a dystopian with future, an electric. Susie 10010432 can't get enough slutting up the interscope section of the net. But guess what? Her rival, QZ 10347211101, is like, what up, slut? And then they get hardcore cybering. But what's that? <laughs> if that is them fucking do a modem beat. <laughs> they both have to do it to the sounds of the AOL program. That's when you know they've blown their load. You have female. Oh, that was good. You didn't even let me get to the part when Stan, the lost Cybertron who has to come from the future, says, "You must bang me or you die." Uh, and then they're like, "What?" And they're like, "Come on me if you want to live." So there's that, guys. This is why you missed us. Admit it to yourselves right now. You are the authority, people. You're the people. Who, if this is going awry, it's your fault. I want you to know, the audience, you control so much of what's going on here. Isn't that right, Mike? Yeah, get to the chopper! Like, I had to. Like, it just had to. There's no segue. It just comes. Okay, back to the lesson at hand. So, everything's supposed to be different. And what do they do? I'm going to bring it. I'm going to fast forward up to as recently as last fucking night what do they do they give you the most different thing they could possibly do and give you good old hulk <laughs> dun, 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 dun. was this music even the same it sounded weird to me yeah they they definitely did a a take on it a few years ago where they did a digital remaster um you know okay i'm a little I'm not mad, but I definitely, as an adult, see through the aspect of Mean Gene having to die so that Hulk Hogan could become a thing again. And if you're saying, well, hold on, Hulk Hogan came back before then. Yeah, he did. When they were not supposed to go to Saudi fucking Arabia, and yet they said, you know what sounds like a good idea? Going over there right now. You know who won't turn us down, unlike Daniel Bryan and John Cena? Hulk fucking Hogan, who's waiting for his invitation to come back. And you know that the minute Hulk picked up the phone, he's like, oh yeah, brother. So he showed up. So yes, Mean Gene dies, and it's suddenly okay to bring on Hulk Hogan un mas time. What was your thought? You said that you had a gripe on this, and I don't know what your gripe yeah. with Mean Gene. First of all, I think I think Mean Gene would have been mad about the the Hulk Hogan shirt. Like, could they put a little more work into that? Look like yeah. like refrigerator magnets on a fucking tank top. Well, I was no. more mad that it looked like Vote for Pedro, but for the memory of just, Mean Gene Okerlund. I just set you. Up. I'm just you're just punching me up so good today. I appreciate. It. Anyway, no, they had a ten bell salute. Yeah, was that the beginning of the show? Yes. That was before Hulk. That was way before Hulk Hogan. So they they did the ten bell salute, and then there was silence. And I'm not gonna lie, I do appreciate the Hulk Hogan theme song. So when that does play, it does prime us to the nostalgia of it all. And when Hogan did come out, 
you know, the call and response ears, whatever, makes his way into the ring. He was in character. And then he told us he came out in character in case we were confused by the two, which is a weird blending of the worlds to do it on the actual show. But again, because somebody that we love passed, you give it a little bit of wiggle room. So you say, all right, no problem, Hulkster. Let's see where you're going with this. So Hulkster without the sunglasses was real Terry. Hulk Hogan with the glasses the sunglasses mm-hmm. on pure Hulk Hogan who cut a promo at a photo in memoriam of mean Gene Okerlund. Now I'm not going to lie. I actually thought it was a effective segment. It was good. Oh, it was, it was, yeah, no, it's good. It was, it was withstandable. Yeah. You're like, it was okay. Yeah. You, we, you, okay. We understand why you get this floor. And it was what it was, but I don't think it, um, it it's not going to like prompt him to like a bigger push or him being like accepted. I think that's his get out of jail for being a racist card for that day. You think Mean Gene was racist with him? Anyway, so my gripe with. Um, <laughs> you have to call the hotline to find out. Ten Bell salute. No, this is the tackiest thing I've seen. That I, Dude, I've been watching wrestling my whole life. One of the tackiest things I've ever seen the WWE universe do. Maybe it's just me. The ten bell salute's going on. Dude has his hat off and is fucking filming the ten bell salute with his phone. Okay. Is it just me, or is that just gross? That's gross, right? First of all, when are you gonna watch? You're gonna post this. I was at. You're gonna post it, or when are you gonna go back and like watch the whole ten bell salute like on your computer? Cause you're fucking twist. What? Am I off? It's hard because it's just like when people don't go to a concert, and then sometimes you see them put up their shitty camera version of it and you know that somewhere out there there's a way better version of it but then sometimes you never see it i kind of understand that just on your feed like yeah. you're like okay I'll do i don't know man it, it, social media is weird and i think the whole premise is to make you feel like you're somewhere you're not so in that instance it's fine is it weird in the sense that yeah, dude, your shitty phone footage isn't going to be better than what's on free television or they're going to put up on free internet about, I don't know, two hours later. Yeah, that's kind of weird. So, I don't know, man. So, so I told this to my girlfriend who is a, a Dallas Cowboys fan. Yeah. She's like, yeah, that's why I love football. Because when it comes time for America, yeah, you never see people doing that shit. So about America. I was like. You just, did you just, did you just, yeah, they don't play that shit when it's about America. I was like, I I am oddly fascinated with this. Yeah. The the America's team is the most obnoxious aspect of the Cowboys uh, fans who are, uh, you know, bless them. Oh, but they, oh, you're about to go through the fucking worst thing possible in LA, like, circumference. Yeah. geographically a Dallas Cowboy versus an LA team in LA yeah. have fun with that your Cinco your four Cinco de Mayo yeah, parade Jesus. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this much dude 
You know, the beautiful thing about sports is that when you do see a collection of people wearing a certain type of jersey and it's a team you hate, you're really, really on a realm of going, well, those are all people I don't like. It's you like a have, good telltale yeah, sign. They're like guys with belts. It's the same thing, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it really is. We're, we're all cosplaying for different causes. <laughs> I, I always told people, I'm like, I just can't do a jersey with a name on my back. I don't mind having a jersey, but saying, you know, I'm primetime Deion Sanders as a kid, I was like, I'm not him. I don't want to be him. Listen, don't get me wrong. I want to have a rap video with MC <laughs> Hammer, then known as just Hammer. And I want to sing, must be the money, I really don't care, the money. Like, as a kid, I said, man, I don't think I could do a rap song, but I think I could do his rap song. Pretty confident I could beat him at this. You did that so good, I'm, I'm like literally still dancing. I know you guys don't <laughs> think I am, but no. Hands but up in the air. I invite you guys to go back and listen to that song, because every so often I'll go down a wormhole of, is this as bad as I remember it? And yes. And you know what? Even when I play that game, I will look for the live performances. I think there's one that he did. I cannot, oh, no. for the life of me, find it. But I definitely was looking for... Must be the money, you really don't care. Must be the money, must be the money. Because I thought the actual hook was great. But the fact that he was shoehorned into a rap career when he should, uh, when he essentially rapped like, and people don't know, and I don't even know why. And I go, why is this drunk Beverly Hills wife speak? his form of rap pattern. No, because I'm sure his girl wants to party all that time, party all that time, party all that time. I'll tell you that much. Uh, that song at least had Rick James, and it's the Citizen Kane of at least indulgence projects. from oh, the, crossover, the crossover. Oh, dude. Eddie Murphy. Dude, you put that on at a party, you watch people. You just watch them and see what happens. So, anyway, we did move over to Mean Gene, and I never changed the photo on the live cast here. So, out of respect, <laughs> I will move the McMahons here. Look at that. That beautiful smile. Um, well, what would you would, – do you have a certain favorite memory of Mean Gene? It's hard. No. But okay. he's just like – I don't know. It's weird. It was just like one of those things. Like, I'm a Dodger fan, so Vin Scully yeah. was just – he was always there. Mean Gene was just always there. Oh my! Oh, actually, I take it back. My yeah, easy. My favorite Mean Gene moment was uh, the fuck it. Yeah, the fuck it. I watched that live. I've been watching. Would I lo used to love SummerSlam as a kid, and I'll never forget when the SummerSlam. I can't remember who he was interviewing it. Maybe it was Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan, and the SummerSlam board comes down like five seconds into the promo, and he just turns around. I think he gets scared. Just oh fuck it. <laughs> And they just let it. They just let it run. There was zero time. And that was when he passed. That was the clip I posted. But he's had. I mean, he was always there. And WWF is one thing, but he was always there for. I mean, he was big in WCW. Yeah. Like he was always um, when he was intercepting people when they were coming up the ramp after a match. That was kind of like WCW's like thing. That's yeah. kind of like what separated them. And he was. The reason is his fucking overreaction and his selling and his voice. And I just kind of trip on the fact that 
he's just like a normal looking dude, right? Kind of balding, but he had so much charisma and he knew that he could sell himself like that and connected with fucking everybody that's like, oh, that's the American dream with like, and Dusty Rhodes. Those are guys that they just went out there and they did it because they liked doing it and they knew how to do it, just like Jericho we were talking about. So, man, you just don't think when he dies like that, like he's somebody like that's always going to be around. It was just that. Yeah, I didn't like that. That's, that one hit kind of hard. Here's an interesting thing that I think is hard for people to understand. Ric Flair was on a uh, radio show, and they asked him his thoughts. And it's hard sometimes for Rick to kind of stay on point. But there was one moment that he did explain where, you know, Rick always speaks in uh, hyperbole for a number of things, and he admits to as much. But he wasn't wrong about this hyperbole, which is, you know, you're never going to find another guy like him. He was the greatest. And when Ric Flair's calling somebody the greatest, you could say it's, yeah, one of his boys, and, you know, it's somebody he goes back with. So there's a little bit of a bias there. Here's the thing I think about with me and Gene Okerlund that is unique and to himself that Ric Flair did point out, which is when Vince was really good at cutting these vignettes of, say, Hulk Hogan training with Mean Gene Okerlund for a fight, the match wasn't something that you expected to be the thing, but they were creating these kind of fun, humorous videos that play with the biggest star in the company and match them with the announcer, and yet they were able to derive a certain kind of sense of humor that other sports did not have at that time. Every other sport, and this is what Rick was saying, didn't do shit like that. They do it now. Well, they tried with they tried with bloopers, but that it couldn't transfer. Right. And so we said, you know, to his credit, Vince gets a lot of that and was the guy who was pushing for it. But that Gene's charisma was good there. That's one side. The second side that I think is hard for kids to understand is this guy made us want to call a hotline. I don't think that could be overstated enough. I seriously would listen and watch these shows and have to really think, how badly do I need to know the extra intel on who Sting's opponent could be for Starcade or if someone is actually injured and that they might be out? Because kids, the internet breaks all of the rules. But when you had somebody who would continue kayfabe on a phone call, and that you were so motivated to want to call that number at your parents' probably detriment of wanting to kill you. There is something weird that you have to admit about a dude who seems like he might be out of step and out of touch, but could not be more in his rightful place and getting over with kids because now we're all old as fuck. But when we were young, this was the guy. They didn't have multiple people waiting in the wings. They had one guy who really was there to put over everybody else. Other people were wrestlers. Other people were play-by-play people. He did those things too. But when he was there, you knew that something special would happen. And I think that's a nice underselling of watching him with Macho Man, watching him with Hogan, watching him with talent who didn't quite figure out how to get themselves over and seeing, wow, those things really stand up. 
Well, just like those Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, they kind of did the same thing. But like you said, he was <clears throat> interacting with the wrestlers and doing that with them, getting mad, getting confused, and you know, getting appalled by some of the shit they said, which played back into the character. And like you said, it was just like this normal dude that, <laughs> like, oh, and he always looked the same, which begs me, like, you brought up a great point. Like, how much better? Like, you have to read when you go to the websites, kids. You're reading these these um, spoilers and all the quips. You're reading it in your own voice. Just imagine if you had Mean Gene reading that voice, reading those tags for you. Like they should have like an internet service that like it's Mean Gene's voice. Just like vocalize it like a like an audio book, but it's Mean Gene forever. It's just telling you because I would not want to hear Melcher's voice. Like Mean Gene had that like. <laughs> You know, he had that, like, grit in it. Like, he's seen some shit. He's been to Rapongi. You know, Meltzer only, like, can dream of that kind of stuff with his, like, little clip. Like, mean, you didn't have a clipboard. You know, he had a microphone. The real man. And a mustache. Come on, where's mustache Meltzer? I'm going to be really honest with you. There was an era where I thought the Micro Machines dude was Mean Gene Oakland. And it was really confusing to me as a kid. So... I'm, I'm telling you, I went through different eras with Mean Gene, and it was impressive to see this guy had a storied career that went from multiple organizations, and yet he always stood out. And then even when he went to WCW, he was still a prominent force of trying to get you in and make you feel like a product is established. But this is the other thing that really, really came to my attention that I even forgot about. But when I watched the clip, it all makes sense. Mean Gene Okerlund was the only person who could take Hulk Hogan to task when he had the greatest heel turn in all of professional wrestling. That heel turn is good because people are throwing trash and people are very shocked that the all-American good guy could ever be forced to turn heel for some reason. And so while the action itself was great, Mean Gene was right there to pick up and basically didn't do the objective bystander just kind of bemusingly looking around as nonsense is going on. Actually taking Hulk Hogan to task and saying, whoa, how could you do this? And think about that as you watch that clip again. Because we all look at that clip every once in a while and say, man, that, that heel turn, you could feel that every single time you watch it but I invite you to watch it with uh, Mean Gene in mind when you really yeah. recognize, like, man, yeah, he made that happen too. Yeah. That just made me kind of emotional. <laughs> like, for, <laughs> like, for real. I think I kind of... What are you doing later? <laughs> I'll tell you this. You want to you wanna talk about Mean Gene some more? You know, I, like, get out, <laughs> get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to keep this party going. You know, I'm... I'm Nine minutes into the eulogy that I'm pretty sure he'd want me to go ahead and cut off uh, much sooner. It's like a seven and a half bell salute. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't <laughs> say a full ten. <laughs> but I mentioned this on Verbal Tap. And uh, before we, we come to a close, I just want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in. Um, I'm very happy to be back with you guys. You will hear from us as, I mean, here's the thing. The beautiful part about January is um, all of the events and the big things kick back up again. It's great to be a wrestling fan right now for multiple reasons we have a new company that's coming into the fold we had a great uh, event 
in New Japan Pro Wrestling that was just phenomenal to stay up and watch with all of your nerd friends. And then we've got a Royal Rumble coming up, which means it's almost Road to WrestleMania, which this just goes by so fast. But, of course, um, we want to say if you guys are listening to us right now and you enjoy what you're hearing, follow us at Real Heel Section on the Instagram, on the Facebook, on the YouTube. You will see more of it. And you can also check us out at HeelSection.com. But, Mike, as we close this up, I wanted to leave you with this. And this is the reason why. I think the Mean Gene thing meant so much to me. And I was really, for a long time, when I started doing interviews in the world of jiu-jitsu, I would always tell people, I'd be like, well, I go up and I ask the interview, you know, questions to the guys after they win a match. They're always kind of like, okay, well, what's the sport? And I go, what's Brazilian jiu-jitsu? It's kind of like wrestling, but there's some, and they're like, I don't understand this. I don't watch that sport. And I would try to explain what I was doing, and I go, well, I'm kind of this, and I do this, and I go, well, I'm like the mean gene of jiu-jitsu, for lack of a better word. And they go, oh, that's oh, that's cool. Yeah, I can see you doing that. And I think it's remarkable that when you see all of the headlines that come out after a man passes like him, and you spend all of this time wondering, like, why are we spending so much time talking about this dude? Like, there are other people who die. There are other people who come and go. But the fact that he was the voice, the broadcaster that you can pinpoint, much in the same way you can always recite a Bobby Heenan, there are people whose legacies outlive their run on this earth. But for me, I always found it phenomenal that I could tell people that's what I was doing or what I was aspiring to do, and everybody would be on the same page. And I thought it was extra special that when he passed, you saw major publications. I read his obituary in the New York Times. I read multiple people saying he was one of their favorite aspects of it. And so it's kind of interesting in that you got to see him go to the Hall of Fame and the WWE and multiple Hall of Fames as well. But you feel like he got his due, but you also feel good knowing that in his passing, Uh, A man's work was very well respected, and I think it's a testament to uh, all of our childhoods and and fond memories, but it's more than that. It's it's a great performer. So I thought that was particularly the reason why uh, his passing meant so much to so many people. He's the greatest of all time. He set a precedent for something that was never there. He's not a commentator. He was like our straight man. Yeah. Like the one and all, like for that world. So that was well said, sir. So mean gene me. I don't know if that rolls off like you <laughs> I don't think me, it does. I think you mean gene me and we got a deal. It's going to be, uh, I think we're going to close this week's episode by just saying, you know, I just got a fucking text right now that just said Vegas, May 25th. Jesus that's right. Christ. Oh, that's right. You're making me go. I got all mad right now because, like, Fuck the Royal Rumbles in driving distance. Well, like I'm apparently going to that. So and I live in Vegas. How lucky did I get, baby? That we're doing this. I got Michael Peters. I tell you, first time on a plane's coming out. I've never even met the dude, and we're doing this. We're double or nothing on our friendship. (laughs) (laughs) On our on our internet friendship, we go fishing together on Red Dead Redemption. Okay. 
That's there's, not, there's just certain that's things. There's certain bonds that airplanes can't break. There's not even airplanes in Red Dead Redemption. This guy's taking a big leap in life to come be a part of the elite. I'm about to spend 130 bucks for all those shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Make it very clear. Though if you want to sponsor me going to Vegas and you're listening to this, that's a very big hint. Everybody who's listening to this uh, will gladly throw your name into this I fucking think, podcast. Dude, somewhere. I think they have a 10th planet inside the MGM Grand Arena. Oh, fuck off. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what I'm going to end with. Uh, if you like what you're hearing right now, be sure to call us on our hotline. You can hit that hotline at 1-800-MEAN-GENE. And that's going to do it for us here on this week's episode. Tune in next week for this is uh, your good friends at Heel Section saying good night. Mean Gene Mean. <laughs>